Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 and meet me at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And we're going to go from verse 1 to verse 10. And the reading of the word says... And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And whence you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But look at verse 4. But God. Somebody shout, but God. Now, those first three verses described who we were. But God, who is rich in mercy. That's a Bible word. Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show, somebody say show, Show. the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, once again, you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And let's finish with verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My old pastor used to say, let the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Well, I was approached uh, a few weeks ago, Paul actually, Paul in our church approached me a few weeks ago and he asked me this question. He said, how do you come up with sermons? How do you develop sermons was the secondary question. But the initial questions were, how do you, how do you come up with sermons? And, and you know, how, how do you, you know, get the idea of the sermon and, and where does it come from? And I'm just curious about that process. And um, man, it was a really good question. I started thinking that for the last 10 years, every Sunday, I have been extremely excited about every sermon that I have ever preached. I mean, it's amazing that God can keep you excited. The Word of God can keep you motivated and thrilled about what you see in His Word. Now, there's been messages that I have preached that uh, I have not wanted to preach, Truth be told, there's been harsh messages, meaning I need to get on some folks. I need to chastise and discipline and get you back on the straight and narrow. Yes, but I was excited about those two because I knew that God was telling me what to do. And so I answered the question when Paul asked me, how do you come up with sermons? Uh, I said to him, I, I, you know, news articles, sometimes you'll read some articles and uh, there you'll find something in that article that says, man, I need to preach on this because if this is getting spread this way, the people of God need to hear the counter to what the world is saying. Uh, Sometimes it's conversations, talking to people, 
you know, maybe neighbors or people in Walmart. Or I talk to a lot of people. I like to talk to people. I like to talk to unsaved people, too, because they'll, they'll tell you everything you need to know. They'll tell you what they're thinking and everything you need to know. I like talking to them. And that also helps me kind of articulate and, and, and really process messages as well. I mean, it could be other preachers. I listen to other ministers, and, and sometimes something they say could help plant a seed on the inside of me that develops a message. But more often than not, more often than not, it's just daily Bible reading. Simply daily Bible reading, sitting down, taking the time to just read the Word of God. And through daily Bible reading, I have gotten so much from the Word of God just by reading my Bible. I encourage you to just read your Bible. Just read it. I mean, it's available. And read it. Glory to God. Read it, and you will begin to see there's so much in the Word of God that you never knew or you've read before, but it's so deep. You know, we haven't even exhausted every and all of the Word of God that's been in, in, contained in this book. And so, more often than not, I read the Word. And I was telling Stacy last night, it's interesting to me, that the, the messages that I really study, the ones that I think, man, this is going to be so good, and I'm going to deliver it, and it's going to be good, and the people are going to love it. I get nothing back. Like, no one says anything to me about those messages. But the ones I just threw together late Saturday night, and I just threw something in the mixer and put it in the crock pot and just let it sit while I sleep and wake up and say, I'm just going, I'm going, I'm going to deliver this and feed the people from this crock pot. Man, I get more response from that. I thought, well, man, maybe I should just start waiting till 2, 3 in the morning because that's when the people respond. And the ones I spend 40 hours trying to put together, I don't get the response. But thank God I don't preach because of your responses. Thank God I don't do that because I would have been retired a long time ago. I don't preach because of your responses. I preach because of the glory of God. And reading this passage of Scripture, we have to understand that there are 66 books in the Bible. 20, uh, 39 books are in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote this book of Ephesians, which is one of the best epistles in Scripture. I encourage you to read it. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament there as well, and I encourage you to read them because it's so, so good. And he was in prison when he wrote most of these epistles. Imagine that for a moment. He wasn't sitting around with his legs kicked up watching the football game. He was in prison, and he wrote the word of the Lord to encourage. He's in prison encouraging other people. That's powerful. That's powerful that he understood who he was and the surroundings that he was in did not make him. The circumstances that he was under did not form or shape him. That he was able to live above the circumstances and begin to encourage other people while in prison. And if you understand the book of Ephesians, you understand it is solely about our position in Christ and are purposed in Christ. He's talking to the church, and he's talking to us individually in Ephesians. I encourage you to read the book of Ephesians. But here in chapter 2, he starts out talking about how wicked and how awful we were without Christ. He begins to share that we were born into sin. Every one of us started in the same place, born into sin. And sin separated us from God 
And sin is what's causing us to be uh, completely, um, how can I say, completely just split, yeah, completely split from God because of our sin. We've been completely split from God, but God knew that he needed to provide a way of escape for us. He knew that he needed to provide a solution for us. He knew that he needed to provide Jesus. He needed to come in the flesh to be a man, to conquer all of sin, to conquer all our condemnation and shame, and to come be take our place, be our ultimate substitute and sacrifice, so that we can then become one with Christ. This is the gospel. Matter of fact, you can sum the gospel up in four words. God, man, sin, Jesus. That's it. That's the gospel. God created man who sinned, and then God provided Jesus to come on the scene to take our sin away. And we pick up in verse 4. He says, but God. Now, Despite how wicked we were and evil we were and treacherous we were and despite all the thoughts that we have and the manipulation that we deal with and the lying and the deception and the cheating and the adultery and the uh, misinformation and the deliberate deception of things, despite all of that that we contend with, God was rich in mercy. Despite how you feel, despite how you think, despite all the thoughts that you have in your head, despite you continuing to sin and then saying, I'm going to repent later, God is rich, not not in this instance in money, although we know that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that he's got everything that he needs and more for us. He's rich in mercy. Somebody shout mercy. Mercy. He's rich in mercy. Not, no, watch this. Not because you're so good. No, no, no. Then it wouldn't be mercy. Mercy would be, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. Or better yet, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. He's rich in mercy because of his great love. His great love, which he loves us. Oh, this is so powerful to me. It's so remarkable to me. It's overwhelming to my thinking that because of his great love, not because I could give anything of value to him, simply because of his great love, not because I'm so important necessarily to his expansion. No, 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 no. It's solely because of his great love. He sent Jesus to take our place because of his great love for us. There were several years ago, several, several years ago, decades, might as well say decades. I guess time is moving. Decades ago, I was meeting with this particular pastor, and uh, he was talking to me about that Jesus came on the scene, not, watch this, this is what he was saying, this is the deception. Jesus came on the scene only to obey God, and that was it. God told him to come, so he came, and, and that was it. I was like, no, no, what about the love that God has for us? He said, no, 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 it was all about obedience. I said, no, the scriptures say, for God so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten son. He was like, nope, nope, it was all obedience. Jesus was only obedient. I said, well, what about love? He said, it, had, it, it wasn't much to do with love. It was only obedience. I rebuked that. It's a lie. It's only because of the love that God has for you and I that he sent Jesus. Scripture tells us he's rich in this mercy. That every time we do something, we deserve death, hell, the grave. We deserve to be separated from God. But God is rich in mercy. Said, uh, 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 I sent Jesus and I'm looking at Jesus and Jesus took their place and they're in Christ. So I'm looking at Jesus. I'm also looking at them because they're in Christ and Jesus paid the penalty for sin. So therefore there shall be no penalty for sin for you and I. Come on somebody. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, don't patty cake the Lord. Put your hands together. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Listen, the gospel is we are so flawed and sinful in ourselves than we've ever dared believe. But at the very same time, we are so loved and accepted by God than we've ever dared hoped. We are flawed. We're sinful than more than we've ever dared believed. But thank God in Christ Jesus, we're more loved and accepted than we have ever dared hoped. And we see here through this passage of scripture that Paul begins to tell us that we are saved by grace. You have been saved through faith. And, and that we're saved by this grace. Grace is uh, th- this goodness. Uh, grace is, uh, you know, getting what we don't deserve. Grace is unmerited favor. We're saved by this grace through faith. So grace made salvation available and faith takes a hold of salvation. Grace makes it uh, applicable to our lives and faith says, I'll have it. That's mine. But we have to understand through this salvation experience, We are saved from, listen to me, the penalty of sin. Glory to God. We are saved from the penalty of sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are also saved from the power of sin. We are saved from the power of sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over us. But we are not saved from the presence of sin. And we're not saved from the practice of sin. Hear me clearly. Thank God we're saved from the penalty. Thank God we're saved from the power. But we're not saved from the presence. And we're not saved from the practice of sin. And if you continue to practice sin, the wages of sin is death. But thank God the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is salvation. Glory be to God. And and as we continue to read on here, look at verse 7. This is what stood out to me in Ephesians 2, verse 7 in my daily Bible reading. It says that in the ages to come, he might show, say show, say show again, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, that he might show. Now, I read the, the Passion Translation. Let's take a look at this at the Passion Translation. Ephesians 2, 7. Throughout the coming ages, we will be, we will be, we will be the visible display 
of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered, somebody say showered, upon us in Jesus Christ. Let's pause here for a second. We, in the coming ages, we will be the visible display. That's the title of this message, visible display. We will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. Ooh, let this soak in for a second. God desires for you to be seen. God desires for you to be seen by others. God desires for you to be a display of his infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the message translation. This one stood out to me, Ephesians 2 in the message. Watch this. Now, God has us where he wants us. Mm, Just pause right there. That'll preach this all by itself. God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us, up on us in Christ Jesus. Now keep that on the screen there in the house. I know those of you watching live, you can put me on the screen. Now watch this. God has you on his mind. He's got you on his mind And uh, he's got long-term plans for you. Listen, he's got all the time in this world and the next. he's, He's thinking about your future. He's already planned ahead your future. See, you're thinking about your present, but he's thinking about your future. Uh, You're thinking about what's going on right now because you're short-sighted, but God's not short-sighted. Mm-mm. God has long-term plans. God has already planned where you'll be five years from now. So you're thinking about right now, he's talking about five years from now. He's talking about 10 years from now. He's thinking about 10 years from now. He's thinking about 15 years. Oh, I know you're struggling right now, but he's not thinking about right now. He's got long-term plans. I've been, I've been thinking about this. You know, I just turned 44 a few weeks ago. And uh, I've been thinking about, man, where will I be when I'm 64? I'm going to be a lot further along than when I'm 44. Come on, somebody. Moses didn't even get started until he was 80. You think you're too old. Moses just got started. And if he'd have quit at 60, we'd have never seen the deliverer, Moses, rescue the people of the Hebrews. He didn't even get started to. As a matter of fact, for 40 years, he was taking care of someone else's sheep. For 40 years. God, what's taking so long in my life? And I don't know what's going on. And I keep trying. I keep sowing. I keep giving. But it just feels like nothing's happening. Moses was 40 years. In the wilderness, Paul, who was had a a, a dramatic display of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
met him on the road to Damascus, gave his life to the Lord, went from Saul to Paul. We didn't hear from him for 14 years after that. 14 years. He could have been saying, but God, why don't you put me out there? I mean, I could tell everybody my story. He eventually did. But it was 14 years later. See, we're, we're so concerned about what's going on right now. God's already got the future prepared. Matter of fact, you're practicing right now. On, on, everything you're doing right now is a practice so that you can go into the real rehearsal of what God has. So if you, if you get mad and blown off the handle right now, then God knows if I give you, if I increase you and put you in the places you want to be, you're going to get mad and get blown off the handle and go embarrass yourself and embarrass me. Preaching better than you saying amen. amen. So it says here, God has us right where he wants us. Say, I'm right where God wants me to be. He's got you right where he wants you with all the time in this world. He's not in a hurry. And the next, there is another world after this world. It's heaven, the invisible realm, to shower. Now, I want to pause here. The word shower means a downpour. It means to, to pour out. It's, it's an, an excess of water, an abundance uh, to lavishly pour out, to liberally pour out, to pour down grace. Oh, glory to God. And kindness upon you, upon, up on you in Christ Jesus. Man, I was reading this in my daily Bible reading. I couldn't get past this verse. God's desire is to show you in this world and in the next with all the time in the world to downpour you with his grace. That word grace, undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. He wants to downpour you with unearned favor. I mean, I'm talking about favor you can't work for. Favor in and of yourself that you can't provide for yourself. Grace that you can't save enough up for. It's just freely given to you by God. And then he wants to shower you with this. He wants you to be the visible display of this grace. He wants you to be seen by, by humanity because of his grace and kindness. Somebody shout kindness. Oh, no, this is so important. God wants to shower you with kindness. Kindness is goodness in action. Kindness is love that can be seen. See, when we're talking about love, you know, I love you, I love you. I mean, it ain't, it ain't kind until you show me something. I love you. You love me? How do I know you love me? Well, because I said it. No. Kindness demonstrates it. Mm-hmm. Kindness. And then in a relationship, you need to find out how that demonstration impacts your, your spouse or, or your brother, your sister, your mom or dad, whatever the case may be. You need to find out what their love language is. How do they receive it? Because it's so important. You could be given what I've given. I keep telling you I love you because maybe you receive love by someone telling you 
that you're loved. It's the words, but maybe they need some action behind those words. I need you to wash the car. That's how I know you love me. If, you, if I wake up in that car wash, that's how I know you love me. Come on. Come on. That, that's how I, you can say I love you, I love you, I love you all day, but until that car is washed, that I don't realize that you have been kind to me. And, and relationships have been severed because of a miscommunication of how love is given and received. But God knows your love language. <laughs> he knows your love language. And he wants to shower upon you his kindness. That means he's going to demonstrate his goodness in action in your life. See, I, I just want to declare this word over you. I want to prophesy over you today that God will shower you with his grace and kindness. Only Danica's the only one that received that, praise the Lord. Come on, get your hands up and receive it. This is a receptive way that when, I, when, when the word is declared, lift up your hands and receive the word of God. Take it in your heart. He wants to shower his grace and his kindness upon you. That, 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 that grace is preferential treatment. It's favor. It's preferential treatment. Treatment. Matter of fact, I wrote some things down that I want to declare over you because he wants to he wants to give you this grace and kindness, not because you're good, but because he is good. And you're in him. I said you're in him. I've been reading a uh, footnote. I've been reading Exodus. Just taking some time reading Exodus because Exodus simply means uh, transition. We're going somewhere. We're leaving one place and we're going to another place. And I've been reading the book of Exodus and multiple times in the book of Exodus, God is showing the Egyptians, these are my people. These are my people. You know, it was dark in Egypt, but in the land of Goshen, there was light. I mean, but it was pitch black dark. You couldn't even see your hand next to your face. There were frogs in Egypt, but in the land of Goshen, there was no frogs. God's a visible display. This is what he's after, a visible display of the difference between my people and the people of the world. I'm trying to show you goodness and shower upon you grace and kindness. And so he says, here, I, I wrote this out. What, what is favor? What is this grace? And I begin to do some study about this grace, and there will be supernatural increase. Mm, 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 I thought more people would get that. Supernatural increase and promotion happening in your life. This is what God wants to do. He wants to shower his grace. So as he showers his grace and you become a visible display, they'll begin to ask you, how in the world did you get there? And you say, it was the goodness of God. It was the grace of God. It was the kindness of God. It's not me, I'll tell you, because I would have fouled all this up. It's the goodness of God. I had this happen to me when I was working in corporate America. I was promoted three times in two years. Went from making $28,000 a year to over $120,000 a year in two-year period. And, and people was like, how is this happening so fast for you? And I literally took a step back and said, it's not me, guys. It's the grace of God. No, no, you must know somebody. Who do you know? I don't know anybody. God's grace. No, no, no. Um, you must You must have done something. And you've got to be careful with this. Listen to me. Because when God begins to make you a visible display, don't you allow people to look at you greater than they look at God. 
Well, why did you get promoted? Well, let me tell you why. See, what I do is I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and I get in my word and I read and then I go and do a little exercise and then I eat the, you know, little breakfast. And, see, and then, and then when you get done telling all that, who do people worship? You. Uh, that's the quickest way to get out from under the favor. Now, great, God's grace is sufficient for you for salvation, but that's the quickest way to get out from under the favor of God when you start promoting yourself. It's the quickest way. Well, let me tell you what I, let me tell you how, how that happened. You know, so what I did was, and I did this and that and this and that. And then God looking at you like, no, nah, this was me, sucker. This wasn't all you. You got to, you got to, you, you, you got to, you got to recognize this now because I've been guilty of this. Someone asked me, how do you get this now? Well, let me tell you what I've done. See, see what you need to know, this is my five-step plan. If God's grace wasn't on that, that five-step plan ain't working. You start out God's grace and his kindness and his mercy has been good to me. And after they understand and realize that, then you can get into your five-step plan. But first, make, make, be sure, because pride comes before a what? Fall. You, if you want to fall, then start making it about you. Oh, this is so important because I've been guilty of this. Well, how, Devon, how have you done this and that? Well, let me tell you what I did this and that. Like, wait, and the Lord's like, well, what about me? And I'm, I, have to, I have to call him back. Let me tell you, listen, it, that, what, all that I told you was nothing without God's grace. And so he wants you to experience supernatural increase. Why? So you can say, look how, look how rich I am? No. So you can say, look, look how good God's been to me. Do you need some help? I can help you, praise the Lord. Restoration of everything. Listen, restoration of everything the enemy has stolen. Hallelujah. How many, how many of the enemy has stolen some things in your life? I mean, God wants to restore. Somebody shout, restore. Shout it like you're yelling at your kids. He wants to restore everything the enemy has stolen. L- listen, with this grace and this kindness, God wants you to receive honor. Listen, he, he wants you to be respected. Why? Because if you're respected and you're giving him glory, he's respected. Remember, he wants you to be a visible display. People can't see God. But truth be told, you and I can't see God. But if you're a visible display, they need a point of contact. And they can look at you and say, man, what's going on? Man, the Lord's been good to me. My goodness, he's been good to me. That's a visible display. You know, I never understood why people wanted, this is, let me go off on a little tangent. I got a few minutes. Never understood why people wanted broke pastors. I've, I've never understood that. You want your pastor to drive walking, you know, maybe, it, maybe have a car, maybe. Let the car be raggedy, and, and then they're breaking down, and, and, and the pastor look all sloppy, and he got the same suit on every week, and, and people are like, yes, yes, that's how we want our pastor to be. No. You need a visible display of a manifestation of God's grace. How many of you want to know what a broke person, you, you, how many want to hear from a broke person? You want to hear, broke person, tell me how to handle my finances. You don't want to hear from no broke person. You want to hear from someone that has God's grace and mercy has been on their life. And they can display and show you and then display God's good and mercy. And you can see it, the visible display of God's grace and mercy. It's amazing to me how I hear this. 
I talk to pastors all the time, and uh, yeah, well, they, I, I was supposed to get a raise, and they voted not to give me a raise because that's more money than what one person in the church made. What in the world? That's why we don't operate in some of those things there. That's, that's demonic. Here's, here's what else he wants to show you. He wants to increase your assets. He wants to show you great victories in the face of long odds. Amen. How many are looking for great victories in the face of long odds? Recognition. This, this is God's plan. Recognition. Preferential treatment. How many of you need this? Petitions will be granted. Yes. Now, you may, not need, you may not know you need it now, but you're going to need it later. Petitions granted. Policies and rules changed. This is the favor of God. Policies and rules changed. I'll give you, this is just a minor example. We, we went to Asheville to visit Zai, and um, we, Zarek left one of his most prized dolls, one of these teddy bears. So we didn't know where he left it at. And we were like, Stacy had this idea. I think he left it at this store. We called the store, and bless God, they had it. Glory to God. And, and so we're like, okay, listen, can you, you know, we're not going to drive back up there. Can you ship it? And uh, we'll pay everything. They said, no, Miss Alexander, no, 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 no. We're going to pay. Now, now here, here's the thing. This is policies and rules. Because they said, well, our policy is to have you pay. But we're going to change that policy. Now, listen, this is only $5. I got $5 to pay for the shipping. But God was showing me, I'm, I'm, this, is just, this is just a small bit. I want to shower my grace. I want to shower my kindness upon you. Can you receive it? Can you take it? Yes, ma'am, we, we will receive that. Thank you so very much. And bless God, I believe there's going to be greater policies and rules being changed on your behalf. Greater laws being changed for your advantage. God will fight battles for you. Battles you don't even have to fight. God will fight these battles for you. He wants to shower you with grace and kindness because you're in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God. Somebody shout, I receive that. This is the plan of God. A visible display. Shout visible display. God wants to make you. Listen, we've got to come to this point, church, that we're receptive to the visible display. you got to get to the point where I don't care if they talk about me. I don't care if they laugh at me. I don't care, I don't care what kind of questions they ask. God is making this a visible display in my life. I mean, you got to get here because they're going to they're gonna talk about you. When, when all this starts happening, you're going to get talked about. People are going to ask you, why is that happening? Well, it's God. No, you're stealing. And they'll, they'll, they'll begin to attack your integrity. I, I, I'm a living witness of this. No, you're stealing. You're stealing something. That's why. That's why. No, I'm not, I'm not stealing anything. No, God's, God's, been, God's been good to me. One guy, I, I said this, um, so many of you, I told you here recently, I've been thinking a lot about airplanes and, and maybe, maybe taking some flying lessons, whatever. I'm letting the Lord, you know, I'm talking to the Lord about all of this. And all of it costs, they cost a lot of money, you know, and so it's, it's something that, you know, let me, let me consider. And, and I'm thinking, man, one day I may have access to an airplane. You know, one day I may own an airplane, you know. Hey, man, w- why not? You know, I mean, uh, the, the porn star has an airplane. 
Why can't, why can't a believer have an airplane? Now, you know, we'll let the Lord work all that, this and that out. So I, I posted a, I, I showed a, a couple of guys this picture of me standing in front of an airplane. And one of the guys said, uh, 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 yeah, you, you didn't stole the money from the congregation to buy the airplane. That's the first thing they said. And I'm sitting there like, now, if y'all know the old Devon, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, we, ready, we, can, we can fight about this. I just sat back. And I, well, first of all, if y'all have any, if you look at your own finances, you know there ain't, no, ain't a lot of money to be stolen, okay, to buy airplanes with, okay? That's one. Number two, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a deep breath because I got to take, if, if I can take this, then when the time comes and it's coming from thousands of folks, I can take that too. Amen. You, I mean, when you, when you, when you get to receive your promotion or when the Lord begins to, as he's doing now, visibly displaying his grace and his mercy. And it doesn't have to always be materially. It can be positionally. It, it can be influential. You can be, have greater influence. And people start saying, Yo, this is why it's happening. You got you to gotta be able to gird up under and say, I know the truth. And that is not the truth. The truth is the goodness of God. God's goodness is making this available to my life. And look at Ephesians chapter 2, real quick, verse 10. I'm going to get you all out of here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. That, that word workmanship uh, in the King James is masterpiece. And a masterpiece is a visible display. Mm, are you getting this? A masterpiece is a visible display created in Christ Jesus, watch this, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so he's already got this prepared, that you should walk in them. So God has already got your future prepared to walk in it, but he's preparing you for your future. He's not preparing the future for you, he's preparing you for the future but why are you a visible display, a workmanship, or a masterpiece? Why? So that you can do good works. It's all about being a blessing. It's all about being someone that can exhibit the works that God would want you to do. God wants to have you a visible display so that you can be a conduit of good works, so that you would have the, the image, the, the influence the, the prestige, the assets, and all of the things we talked about so that you can be a blessing to someone else. Not simply so you can just be blessed. No, that's great, so that you can be a blessing to someone else. This is why he wants you to be a visible display. There are a lot of people hurting right now. A lot of hurting people right now. And he needs you to be a visible display, to be a conduit of blessing to humanity. Say, I was created as a masterpiece for good works. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.